Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. All right, so we've been doing this podcast for two years now, officially. In fact, I think it's been a little, a little bit more than two years since we actually recorded our first episode. But I think that by the time this comes out, it'll be right around the two-year mark for when the first one was published, uh, which, man, a lot changes in two years. So much has changed. Yeah, that's why It feels like five years, to be honest. Seriously. You were like we just it. leaving bare metrics when we started recording. Yeah. Yeah. I think we had recorded the first one, like literally right when I was leaving and, um, we were working on it like a little bit before we started planning out, like, what should we call it? What's like the format? Uh, I remember designing the little logo or our little kind of cover art for it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was literally right around the exact same time that I left bare metrics. Yeah. I still lived in San Diego, had no employees, <laughs> had <Yeah>. no kids, <laughs> no employees, no kids. <laughs> Man, a lot yeah. has changed in two years. Crazy. Yeah. And for me, I don't know. That's interesting because two years and, uh, <clears throat> swipe files is kind of totally different. Um, mm-hmm. working on swipe. Well now, uh, I hadn't started working with savvy Cal yet. I think I started working with Savvy Cal in like October, November. Um, but yeah, man, two years without a W2, it'll do something to you. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> seems got a lot more gray hair now. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, I actually do that also in the last two years, definitely some more grays. Yep. Well, fun. I thought, um, I thought the episode with uh, Build Your SaaS and Justin and John from Transistor was really, really fun. And I think that they were doing their four-year anniversary, if I'm getting that right. Was it four years? I think so. Something like that. A, a long time, more than two years. And they did kind of like a Q&A, tell-all. And uh, I thought it would be a fun opportunity for us as well, a nice excuse as like an anniversary period to do the same thing. So we have some questions. Um, we can riff on any and all of them. I thought there were a lot of really good questions. You want to just kind of dive in or anything before we get started? Yeah, no, let's do it. All right. So, uh, Zach, I'm going to butcher his last name. I've actually met Zach in person. He's really nice. He's awesome. Um, but it's Zach Busakris. Busakris. I have no idea. Sorry, Zach. (laughs) I know he's going to listen to this, be offended, but, uh, our first question, first question from him was, what's a tool you wish you had invested in sooner? Man, that's an interesting one. Um, is there anything that comes to mind for you? By the way, I haven't really even like looked at the questions too much beforehand. So we're going to have to like think of it on the fly. Yeah, no, that's, that's the best way to do it. Uh, yeah, there's a few that jumped to mind uh, for me. I could go either more on the personal side, more on the business side, but curious if... Uh, if you have something first before I dive into one of those. No, go ahead. I'll, I'll think of some stuff okay. while you're talking. Yeah. So, uh, one app I recently started using. So, uh, let me back up a little bit. So a goal of mine over the last month has been to reduce the number of notifications I get. Oh. Um, particularly when I'm at home with family and, uh, it, there's just, there's so many 
ways to be interrupted and I'm trying to, uh, yeah, trying to limit that. So, uh, one thing that's worked really well for me is using just, uh, with iOS, the, like new, the focus settings. So you can set up different focus profiles, um, limit who can call you, who can text you, uh, what apps can send you notifications while you have that enabled. And so I've set up, uh, one for work, one for when I'm with my kids, uh, and then one for uh, like overnight. And it's been really helpful actually, as far as, uh, one of the things I've struggled with, like I haven't just, I know some people just like turn, do not disturb on and they leave it on all the time. And that's been a challenge for me because whether it's, uh, you know, uptime monitoring or other just like server errors or things that can happen or, um, you know, things that I want to be notified about immediately. Uh, I've always been fearful of like just accidentally shutting all of that off. Mm. Uh, so using the, the different focus settings, but also combined with this tool that I, that recently purchased and started using, which has been awesome, uh, which is called mailman. Have you heard of it? Oh yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mailman, I've been super impressed with, I think it's actually mailmanhq.com. Right. Um, it basically lets you have your email delivered to you. At, you can set it up in different ways, but I have it set up so it delivers in certain time slots. So I only check my email now at like 9 a.m., uh, sometimes at a little after lunch, 1231, and then right before I go home. Uh, and so like those are the three times I get email except for I've got all these rules set up through it uh, to basically always send me, you know, key alerts based on whether it's like domain name or certain keywords. And I think some of that's probably possible to do with just like Gmail filters, but it like mailman provides such a nice interface uh, and then provides that like delivery time slot mechanism that I don't think you can do natively through Gmail. And that Mm -hmm. has been really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good. Both of those are really, really good callouts. Um, the the one or two that come to mind for me are one uh, grain grain dot com. It's the Zoom call kind of transcriber note taker. Um, man, I feel like it's kind of like just like a chef's kiss for just the way that I want to do things personally, which is it records the call automatically, hops into the calls that you kind of opt in that you want to record, automatically tra- transcribes the the call and has like a video kind of recording of it, but you can also timestamp and annotate while you're in the call and then create these little clips of videos from it. So, uh, I mean, obviously the main use case was when you were doing all the onboarding calls for swipe well in the early days. And I was just timestamping feedback, bugs, feature requests, recording the calls, sharing the transcripts. I think that that really helped Connor out and kind of sped up like, the transference of information and everything that like, you know, basically he, he didn't have to jump on any of the calls really because I was able to do that, but still transfer over all the highlights and bits of information that he needed to know in five minutes instead of the 30 minutes for the whole call. Um, and so that one I just love and, uh, I keep using it and, um, and definitely a, a kind of a big upgrade on a similar vein too. I don't think zip message existed two years ago 
Um, but even then I feel like now I'm just, just kind of getting, getting in the groove of using it more regularly as like a communication tool. So I've been using it for everyone who joins the $500 MRR challenge and also anyone who asks to hop on a call, I just say, Hey, send me a ZM, send me a zip message, record a, uh, you know, a piece of audio, video, or just even send me like a text message, but it's easier and better for me to do it there rather than like email or my Twitter DMS where it's going to get lost or I'll probably just like put it off forever. And so, um, and then they also have like these intake pages where you can basically, uh, like there's been a few times where I'm like, I need to go and ask for people for advice instead of me like copy pasting the same message and sending it out to all of them. I'll just create the zip message once, send it out to everyone. And then when they respond, it automatically creates like a new thread with that person. And, um, so I remember I did this with Savvy Cal once where I was like asking for some SEO advice and I sent it out to like 10 people. And so instead of having to jump on 10 calls, I basically only created like four zip message threads and then within like 20 minutes, I was able to kind of like get to an answer between all of them. <laughs> so I saved myself wow. literally like hours of work just by doing it that way. Um, so those two are probably my, my favorite call outs for tools. Yeah. That's a really cool use case for, for zip message. Yeah. I love the intake pages. Those are really, really fun once you get used to them. Yeah. And also, yeah, just, uh, you mentioned grain. I, I think it is like the best customer interview tool out there. It's, yeah. it's so helpful. Yeah. yeah. The transcriptions are really, really good. Actually. It's, it's actually yeah. pretty surprising. They pick up on all the words that people normally struggle with or that kind of get like blended together. Um, I think they're really accurate, uh, more so than a lot of the, even like the actual transcription tools like rev.com or like otter or, you know, whatever people use. I'm like, I don't know. I just do it through grain and it seems to be better than even those. Yeah. Cool. Zach also asks, how has your burn rate changed over the last six months versus the previous six months? That's an interesting one. Um, Cause we're talking about burn rate. The whole, our, our name of our podcast is default alive. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also I know there's been some like kind of ebbs and flows and expenses and revenue and sort of what's been, I don't know. Do you want to take a stab at that one first? You might have a more interesting answer than me. Yeah. So I actually got pretty curious when I saw this question because I probably don't uh, necessarily monitor the financials closely enough. It's, it's just more like, <laughs> is more money coming in than is going out? Okay, cool. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, you know, like you said, burn rate, uh, I, I basically looked at expense rate or expenses, um, to see how they've changed in the previous six months versus the six months prior to that. Uh, and for JetBoost, they have actually been about 40% higher uh, these last six months mm. and pretty much all of that is, uh, attributed to adding more people, whether full-time or contractors, uh, increasing the benefits package. Um, I mean that those two right there are like the biggest, by far the biggest chunk of expenses. Yeah. Uh, and then I would say a small sliver of that is just like increased, uh, software prices. So whether that's, you know, hosting as we add more servers um, and increase the, the size of some of those, that's, I mean, that covers probably between people and, and server costs. That's like 90% of our expenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Uh, for me, it's fairly simple. Um, 
That's why Fells really has pretty minimal costs, and most of their costs are incurred in annual subscriptions that happen to come around December, January time um, on purpose because that's where also a lot of the revenue comes in. Month-to-month revenue fluctuates a lot with Swipe Files, but kind of how I how I do it is um, whatever I need to like make up the difference for personally that uh, SavvyCal doesn't cover, then I'll just pull that out of and like do like a, a draw from Swipe Files bank account, and um, that'll just like yeah, just kind of living not living paycheck to paycheck, but like just covering whatever I need to <laughs> from Swipe Files. The SavvyCal doesn't, and so that also fluctuates like. If we're planning a trip or, uh, you know, we just bought a new car. So like there are some months that are a lot higher. And so I'll have to like pull more from swipe files. And then I guess technically like our burn kind of goes down. The, the bank balance definitely gets a, takes a hit, but I guess still relatively like profitable and hasn't really changed much in the last six months compared to the previous six months. Um, I will say before that, uh, you know, I had like a VA for a while and in the, in the last like, well, like around last year too, also cut down on quite a few expenses as well, let go of some domains, let go of a couple of other like additional services I didn't need, kind of consolidated a couple of SaaS tools. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Not that much has changed. It's probably not super interesting. Yeah, makes sense though. Last question from Zach. How do you spend time today across product development, marketing, sales versus 12 months ago? Do you enjoy your days more now or then? So two part question. One is how do you spend time across all the different kind of hats that you have to wear as a founder versus a year ago? Second question, do you enjoy it more today or more a year ago? Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't explicitly mentioned in, in the question, but compared to 12 months ago, I spend way, way less time now on support than I was a year ago. Mm. Uh, and that's been combination of well even a year ago i had already hired noah to help with support but i think one of the big things is like the product has just gotten so much better over the last year particularly uh, focusing on just knocking out common issues or uh, stumbling blocks that that people had with the product so we just i would say probably at least every three months two to three months we do a round of fixes that just eliminates a whole uh, chunk of support requests. So that's resulted in me spending a lot more, a lot less time personally. Uh, also Noah, you know, he's gotten more familiar with the product, more familiar with support and has been able to take on more types of um, the, the issues there as well. So that's been a big difference in how my time is spent. Uh, I will also say I am in the process of starting to spend a lot more time on marketing and I would say particularly like partnerships. Um, so just having various calls and um, building relationships and that's that's all been super fun and, and that's been great. And um, that's probably, I would say that's probably filled most of the time that I've um, uh, gotten back from, from doing less support. And then my, um, the amount of time I spend on product dev is, has been pretty consistent, uh, which, which is still a huge chunk of my time. Hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I would say enjoying, uh, things these days more than, than even a year ago, which is awesome. That's good. Yep. That, that's a good yeah. sign for me. 
this is always tricky because it's, you know, as a creator, quote unquote, a little bit different, primarily a creator, but, um, trying to think back uh, around 12 months ago, you know, relatively, um, I think I was like knees deep into creating a marketing like a media company at that point. So I was kind of mm. like just getting started, but I was like in a lot, like a lot of like the research kind of phase of building that course out. Um, I think I was still pretty big on like Twitter threads about 12 months ago. Um, today though, I would say, especially with the addition of Swipewell, doing a lot more like marketing quote unquote with uh, marketing Swipewell, obviously. Um, but even things like trying to grow the Swipe Files newsletter um, between projects like Upscribe and um, Sparkloops also coming out with this thing called the Partner Program, um, trying to grow the newsletter uh, a little bit more intentionally through like SEO, even to Swipe Files. Uh, so I think I would I would definitely say I'm doing more, spending more time and doing more marketing these days across Swipe Files and Swipewell. Um, with the exception of like, today kind of product dev looks like you know playing like a little bit of product manager with swipe well and then writing founding marketing it's kind of like the next new big project or product for swipe files um i would definitely say also right now enjoying it a lot more i think especially nice i just enjoy marketing software a lot more than marketing info products to be honest um mm -hmm more in my wheelhouse, more fun, more enjoyable, more programmatic even. Um, and so I think that even though doing a little bit more marketing, it's sort of like different. It hasn't been like a drastic difference in any way. Support has never really been like a huge part of my job, thankfully, at least not yet. Uh, hopefully we'll have that problem with Swipewell eventually, but um, enjoying it regardless more today, I would say overall. Nice. Yeah, I think sounds like the similarity between us is we're both seeing the results of like lots of little efforts or, or sometimes big efforts just compounding over time where a year ago you were, like you said, in the middle of building a course and now that's built and just exists and you can, you know, you, you've rolled that into part of the swipe files membership. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's kind of the same thing for me. Like a lot of the issues that we fixed over time, it's like those add up after a while and, and make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially too, I just remembered that, um, about a year ago, sort of repositioned swipe files as like SaaS marketing training rather than just right marketing stuff in general. Um, and so that was like a big, you know, shift. There's like a lot of like product dev in that. But since then I've really felt sort of like the, the tailwind of that decision and, uh, and that focus to where now I don't have to do as much like core product work, figuring out what do I offer? How do I offer it? Who do I sell it to? And more just like, let's get this in the hands of more people. Yeah. You, you were also doing the, uh, everything is marketing podcast. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing a lot of that, which I don't know if that counts as like product dev or marketing. Um, but definitely not doing nearly as much podcasting these days as I was 12 months ago. I mm -hmm. totally forgot about that. That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, Next question from Andrew. What were your highs and lows on your journey? I can start this one out if you'd like to. Sure. Uh, start the, the last couple ones. Um, highs and lows in the last two years. Uh, 
obviously like I think right when we started the podcast, it was a huge transitional period, leaving bare metrics, going sort of full-time on my own, figuring out what that looks like, trying to pick up consulting, trying to gross Y files, um, trying to figure out like, where do I go from here and what direction am I running in? It was very hectic. It was a big change personally, just trying to figure out like, what does life look like without a W2 job? Uh, financially, how do you sort of like manage the swings and build consistent income and feel not super stressed about paying the bills all the time (laughs) and just, you know, a lot of like really basic stuff. Um, was really just in like survival mode starting out two, two years ago. Um, personal productivity stuff. I've talked about it a little bit before too, but like I was just doing like a lot of email and a lot of being responsive to people, but then like not really making a lot of progress on the things that I wanted to and just kind of being blown around in any direction that, uh, you know, wherever the winds blew, I was sort of just blowing that way with it and not kind of taking control of what I wanted to do and, and accomplish and day to day, what my weeks looked like, even like keeping a to do, just like making progress on the things that I wanted to just was like kind of stuck in a rut, um, for probably about like good three months after leaving bare metrics, uh, right. which was also hard because it was like, Oh no, I have all this time and I should be able to be super productive. And it was just like the complete opposite of that. Cause it was such a big change that I wasn't quite ready for. I don't think, um, there's also been some lows with, uh, with burnout at certain periods. Like I think like last summer, kind of 2021 experienced like a good, like two or three month period where I was just feeling really kind of low and unmotivated. What am I doing? Um, lack of sleep, uh, you know, not the greatest like personal habits or, you know, not feeling like I was in a good, a good groove, like physically or mentally just with being engaged outside of work. Um, so those those are definitely some lows. Um, the highs though, uh, any big sales month, (laughs) 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 really though, like, you know, the the months where it was like, Oh, money's just flowing in through sponsorships or course sales or, uh, you know, new members, whatever it was. Um, those are definitely, you know, funner months, uh, more like, okay, I can do this free motivating months. Um, anytime I launch a project or a new product, like any one of the courses or repositioning swipe files or, you know, getting into kind of being able to announce swipe well, really, really fun times as well. Um, just being able to kind of feel like, all right, I can, we're making progress. We're doing this. We're getting this out into the world. We're finally starting to see some of the fruits of all this work that we've done. Um, I think even just, uh, you know, just a couple of months ago, getting our first customer with swipe well, was like a huge, huge win and high. Like it's happening, mm-hmm. you know, like we're, we're mm-hmm. making it work. <laughs> we're finally at this point now, um, where frankly, I think that that's kind of where I wanted to be like two years ago with being able to build a SaaS and actually get traction and kind of get that snowball rolling. Um, and so finally being able to, you know, hit that milestone and hit that mark and feel that momentum was really, really fun and exciting. Um, trying to think of any other like highs in particular. Hitting certain milestones with the newsletter and with Twitter has been fun too, you know, crossing like 10,000 followers on Twitter and crossing like 5,000 followers or 5,000 subscribers in the newsletter 
was like, all right, you know, I've got a decent following here. Um, Mm -hmm. like it's working, it's happening. I'm not like a small kind of nano nano, my influencer anymore. Like I have a decent following that I can turn into a business. In fact, I think I might've, I'm either like super close to, or I've already crossed, uh, 10,000 subscribers on Swy files. Now let's see what it is. Oh, yep. Still about 300 away. So maybe I'll hit it this week, but, um, that'll be a fun milestone. And that's, you know, I've kind of like anticipating that. So that's kind of a nice high too. just feeling like, all right, you know, five figures in subscribers is kind of a big deal. Um, just been compounding over time, right? I can finally celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do this. I'm, I'm curious if you, uh, when you're like anticipating a milestone like that, sometimes you like, I'll start to anticipate it a little probably like further out than I should. Cause I'm like, Oh, like I see this number. Mm. It's like, it's coming up, it's coming up. And then it's like, Oh, it feels like it takes so long to get there. And then right. you finally get there and you're like, okay, cool. Well now what's next? Right, what's the next <laughs> like one? I don't even celebrate it. It's so totally. bad. I know yeah. I've tried not to keep too close of an eye on those milestones for that reason. Cause I'm like, right. I don't want to obsess about this and then like kill the kind of joy that comes out of actually hitting it. Um, yeah. But I like noticed it like two weeks ago and now I've like been keeping a really close eye every day, you know, like late at night, I'll just type in swifehouse.com and looking at like, okay, what's it at right now? Oh, I, you know, I gained 40 today. Like that's, that's so fun. When am I going to hit it? I thought I was going to hit this weekend actually, but again, now that's taking longer. It's kind of killing some of the, some of the fun of it. Yeah. Especially because it, it does take longer when the numbers are bigger and, mm-hmm. you know, going from a hundred to 500 you're not waiting that long necessarily, but right. Yeah. Start staring at the 10,000 number and it can take a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say too, with uh, just adding one more detail on, on the highs, um, seeing success with Savvy Cal has been really fun too, because, you know, started really, really early on with Derek and it was just fresh after leaving bear metrics. And, um, you know, it was, it was a real test to be honest, like, all right, can I make this work and actually like build momentum and traction really early stage with very limited resources alone, pretty much, you know, besides Derek working alongside me and, um, being able to hit certain milestones of, of MRR is like, yeah, I, I can do this. Like, I know what I'm talking about. We, we can make this mm-hmm. happen. Um, you know, I can check that box and feel like I'm, you know, successful in that regard and that I can recreate this for myself later on. And so hitting certain milestones with Savvy Cal and being able to see the traction, I think has also been a nice, a nice win, a nice ego boost. Um, definitely a, a nice high, uh, when we hit those certain milestones. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how aware people are of the fact that like, it's, it's so easy to be not easy, but th- there's so many like quote unquote influencers out there or, uh, you know, creators selling info products that like, can can put a nice packaging on it but like when Mm. you actually take the course or or read the book or whatever it is like it's it's not all that helpful it's not built on real world experience and this whole time that you've been building out swipe files and and all the related material you're like doing the thing with savvy cal and Mm. you know have this SaaS product that you're doing the marketing for and and leading that effort and it's it's growing and it's it's growing well and uh it's it's, it's cool that like everything you're producing is based on real world experience. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. I think it's important yeah. to, uh, 
something I, I've definitely discounted in the past, but now I feel like it's really important is not just talking about doing the thing, but doing the thing as you're talking about it. Like there's a really stark difference there. And um, I'm really, really glad that I've had just the experience of SavvyCal along with obviously the, the financial rewards of just being able to provide a stable income uh, and supplement the income as you know, trying to make as a creator and bootstrapping swipe well and stuff like that. But even just then, just like the, the experience of Savico has been invaluable. Yeah. It's awesome. What about you? Highs and lows? Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of what you said really, you know, I really relate to that. Uh, you mentioned like the first, uh, swipe well sale. I can like still clearly remember the first jet boost sale. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shout out Ben Tossel from, from MakerPad for uh, believing oh, in man. the product. That's right. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, I'm sure like most people, you you don't forget your first sale, but I remember like jumping out of my chair, running around the room when I saw the, the Stripe <laughs> notification come in. <laughs> it's just like by myself, you know, just, just doing laps around the room. Someone's got to do it. it was, yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was definitely a high. Um, I think too, you know, you, you were talking about, kind of a, escaping the survival mode uh, for me that it was pretty clear around the time my son was born, uh, which was January, 2021. So that was about uh, a, a year and three months, I think uh, of doing jet boost. Mm-hmm. And I, I was very worried before he was born, just like, you know, what he was, he was my first, um, so it was like, okay, you know, how am I going to run a business and be a father and, yeah. you know, do both these things at the same time and, and what's it going to mean? And, uh, it, it was still just me working on JetBoost at that time. Didn't know how I was going to take time off at all. Even, you know, it's just like all these unknowns going into it. And then, uh, to be able to take some time off to, to, Basically, I, I basically had to shut down customer support for a couple of weeks, um, and you know, the business survived. We, we didn't lose all our customers because I wasn't able to respond right away. Uh, and I'd actually switched from just a few weeks before he was born. I, I switched from uh, like chat support to email support, and that was another big kind of lesson. And mm. I think chat support is excellent in the beginning phases. I think I probably held on to it for a little bit too long. Um, it's it's very hard, especially as just as a solo founder or solo business owner, to keep up with chat support. Um, mm. So, yeah, that that was that was definitely a big high. Like seeing like okay, the business is resilient, um, and starting to realize like the the flexibility it gave it's it's given me in my personal life to take time off and to spend time with family and uh that's that's been a big high i think just in general like growing as a person as a leader uh i've i've really had to undertake a lot of personal growth in the last few years uh just because the business has demanded that as it's grown um i've had to become better i've had to become smarter i've had to become uh, more empathetic and, um, you know, learn how to say no to people. There's just been like so many mm-hmm. lessons that I've been able to take from the business, you know, bring it over to my personal life and, and vice versa. And, and that's, 
that's been really awesome. Hmm. Definitely a high there. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I can ask a little bit more about one of the things you said about uh, support, was there like a a certain revenue milestone or like uh, like user kind of number that you would like if you could kind of go back and make the switch from live chat to email? Was there like a certain threshold that you feel like was the perfect time to make that switch if you, if you could do it earlier? Or I'll come on, like what, what was that milestone? Or what was yeah. that threshold? Yeah, I, I would say it probably wasn't a revenue milestone necessarily, um, especially because, I mean, JetBoost has always been a pretty low... Uh, ARPU product and, and back then it was even lower than it is now and so we had a lot of customers uh, and also a lot of free users um, that made providing chat support uh, more difficult than say if you had a hundred dollar a month product uh, with just a seven day free trial or something like that mm-hmm. right so I, I think I would base it off like I found chat support to be great for learning uh, because it was so easy if somebody was stuck to just like, they would send a message. I would kind of figure out where they are. We would, we would have a discussion. Like there was a lot more room for back and forth and it was easier to uh, fix things in the product. Then it was easier to take feedback and, and implement it quickly. Um, so, I, but I think like as the product became more set in stone, as I figured out more what people needed, that type of like back and forth started to become more noise than the actual signal mm. uh, as to, to what we should be doing. Mm. Is it like a, could you quantify it in like a, a number of support tickets a day or per week or, you know, like when did it start to feel overwhelming? Like we, we can't do live chat anymore. Um, I, I don't know if it was a number, but like I, I, I did, <laughs> I'm just thinking about like all the stupid stuff I used to do. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I would get, I'd be like in the middle of eating dinner and like, you know, get the, get the message on my phone. Like, and I would just drop everything and like respond to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was, there were times where I was like driving and I was like responding to people, which is like so stupid. Um, you know, it was just like, it feels so immediate and it felt so important then when it, when it wasn't. Mm. Uh, you know, I was, again, like it's, I'm thinking about it from, let's say over a year in, but in, in those first few months, like it is really helpful to be able to respond to someone right away to be able to, especially when you're just like surviving, just scrapping for every customer you can find, like you are worried, like, you know, if, if I don't get back to this person, you know, maybe this is the chance I have to, to convert them, uh, to, if they can't get the product set up, then they're never going to become a customer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like, again, is it, it's like not quantifiable at all for me in my mind, but once you stop feeling like, and, and maybe it's kind of like feeling the product market fit a little bit more. Um, but yeah, just like not so desperate to respond to every single person immediately, uh, and again, if my son hadn't been born then, like I probably would have kept chat going because I just didn't know any better. 
I just felt like this was so important. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't until I switched where I realized, okay, like I wasn't actually learning as much as I thought I was. I was spending a ton of time on this ton of, you know, just interruption and anxiety from it. And uh, so, like I said, like if I were to start a, a new product company from scratch, like I would use live chat, but I would try to quickly figure out, or, you know, I would try to be paying more attention to when it's no longer serving its purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really good call out. Yeah. Any other notes on highs and lows before moving on to the next one? Yeah. So, I mean, that's like some of the lows there is, is was around like, uh, just the interruptions and, and the chat. I, I mean, mm-hmm. the, everything with DevOps, I, <laughs> I hate, <laughs> uh, you know, I've tried to outsource or outsource most of that to Heroku, which is, which is now, um, struggling as well. Uh, but any of the outages we've had over the years, like, I mean, there's been in three years, maybe five major outages, none of them more than 30 minutes. Maybe I think maybe one of the Heroku ones was like 40, 45 minutes. But even so, it's like, it feels like this thing that's like constantly hanging over my head. Like Hmm. it can happen at any time. Uh, You know, last month was particularly bad because of some of the Heroku issues. And it'll be like, there was one day I'm getting ready to leave work. Um, My wife was actually uh, near the office with with our kids and we were going to all meet up. And then it was like, everything started going down. And I'm just like, I, I was like, basically packed up and just unpacked everything and, uh, had to see what was going on. So that sort of like constant background anxiety is, is definitely one of the lows mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, running a software business and I haven't totally figured out a strategy there. It, it doesn't seem like it's something that you, you can easily just hire for because <laughs> like I can't pay somebody else to be available 24 seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So expensive. you know, yeah, still still figuring out that piece, but hmm. uh, there there was one other like I mean there's there's been a lot of points where it's been very challenging or overwhelming, and I've wanted to give up, wanted to quit. Uh, I think around a little before a year in, I, I was making like like revenue was like half as much as if I just had a full time job as a software engineer. Um, but I was working like twice as much and, you know, I was, I was like really pretty miserable at that point. Like, why don't I just go get a full-time job? You know, this is, this is too hard. This is, it it just feels like it's growing slow. It's, it's going to take forever to, um, at least get to the point where I was, you know, bringing in the same amount of income as as I was as as a software engineer. And, uh, yeah, I think getting past that point was a was a big high because it was mm-hmm. like okay now at least whatever happens from here on out like i'm not feeling the opportunity cost anymore of just going and getting like a full-time job yeah right yeah right yeah a lot you have to deal with as a founder especially yeah. those early days. <laughs> yeah um andrew also asks what were your favorite marketing strategies to implement and what was most effective um mm. Speaking for swipe files, Twitter was definitely the most effective uh, and still is really kind of the main driver of new subscribers and um, just sharing information, getting new members. Uh, 
keeping that sort of like brand growing, if if you will. Um, you know, interestingly for Swipe Well, cross promoting two swipe files has been pretty effective, along with Twitter has been pretty effective. Um, now we're starting to see more results from SEO and from content, and I'm super optimistic about the future of that and building links. And so, um, even just you know launching marketing examples by Swipe Well on on product hunt and launching copywriting prompts and then seeing that rank well i have a an article on swipe files called what is a swipe file and how to create one that does really really well i think we rank number two or three or four or five or something like that in google kind of like shifts up and down depending on the week but that always brings in consistent traffic and it's just no, nothing like free recurring traffic that just like puts my mind to ease <laughs> and just feels nice and like a huge win all the time um, that, you know, I wish I would have started that earlier for swipe files. And now we're starting that as early as possible for swipe. Well, kind of mm. building that up, but that's always something that I'm just thankful for and recommend to everyone else pretty much. I would say like 95% of the people going through the $500 MRR challenge were working on SEO as at least one of the strategies, if not the main strategy for gaining traction. Um, and it looks different for everyone, but uh, super bullish on SEO. Nice. Yeah, for me, uh, favorite marketing strategy was, I, I did this more in the early days, uh, Creating webflow, uh, excuse me, webflow tutorials, not related to Jetboost. So mm. just like browsing the webflow forums uh, or, or different communities, seeing problems people had, and then like solving those problems and showing them how to do it. And usually, I did that with like a clonable demo or or something, uh, and then linking back to Jetboost. And that was just fun because it was like it didn't feel so <laughs> like feel so like heavy like promotion-y of right. my own product it was just hey here's like something that's helpful uh and it's cool seeing some of those like still get traffic today and uh and are hopefully still useful today uh as well so that was probably most favorite most effective this is maybe kind of a cop-out but i i feel like Building a useful product that solves a painful problem in a way that people enjoyed, uh, it really helped in the early days of just like spreading the the word of mouth uh, growth about the, uh, or like message about the product. And mm -hmm. when I started seeing it mentioned in various places by other people, by, by like customers of the product where... Someone say, oh, how do I do this in Webflow? And someone say, oh, you can use Jetboost to use that. That was like, oh, this is like really cool. Um, so, so far that's probably been the most effective. I, I, I might, I would guess that if we do this, if we do a four year uh, anniversary, <laughs> like, <laughs> like John and Justin, uh, I will probably be talking more about SEO then because that is something we are only just getting started now. I love it. Uh, yeah yeah we'll have to follow back up on that um what the colleen asks what does winning look like to you i love this question i think it's actually a really good question um is there something that comes top of mind for you otherwise i've got something 
Mm. You you start us. Uh, it reminds me of a blog post that I wrote a while back. Um, maybe I think it was just around this time last year. Uh, I called it kind of manifest destiny, trying to like, here are my goals. I'm just going to lay it out for everyone that these are the things I want to kind of accomplish. Um, and so for me, I think that like what winning looks like has to check a, a couple of boxes, but like, I think where it starts and primarily, um, what the biggest thing is that kind of unlocks a couple of the rest is just, uh, building a profitable software company that I can pay myself a salary from. Um, that's definitely like really my end goal. What has been my end goal for a long time now. And if I can check that box, I, I think I will, I will, will have already won. Now I think what that also allows and kind of unlocks is a lot of the kind of personal, uh, freedom and fulfillment and, um, and just kind of like getting it, being able to work on kind of my craft of marketing in a very personal way of like, I think that that will be like a fulfilling job to have and something that I would enjoy doing long-term. Obviously through that, you know, it's a very like symbiotic thing. Um, and if that, then I think a more fulfilling, uh, stress-free way to spend time with my wife, with family, future family, hopefully, um, and just having like a, a calm, <laughs> sustainable lifestyle, uh, where I get to like invest and do things that I, that I like to do, whether it's, um, sports or being generous, spending time at our church, whatever it is, like just being able to, um, unlock that lifestyle and especially with like the people that really want to, um, I think that's why I've start, you know, we've largely kind of rejected the kind of startup hustle culture of working 80 hours a week and putting off everything else in life, compromising your health and relationships and family and personal finances just to be able to, you know, take a big swing and go home or go big or go home. I'm, I've always been a have your key, have your cake and eat it too kind of person. I want to be at both ends. And so, you know, the hard part is that it, it takes a while and, and it's hard and takes a lot of discipline, but that's always been my goal is having like really healthy balance and being able to check multiple boxes around, not just business, but also, uh, personally, spiritually, physically, um, all those things kind of coming together without having to compromise any one of them for the benefit of one of the other things. So largely what winning looks like very practically is build a profitable business that I can pay myself from a software business. But then, uh, like long term, it's what that what does that unlock for me is more. I think what it means to to win in life for me personally. Yeah, I love that blog post that you wrote. I know I I, I try to like revisit it once in a while, just kind of remind myself, and it's it's held true at least for the last year. We'll see what changes, but um, it's definitely nice. still very accurate. Cool. Uh, for me. What does winning look like? I, I am so bad at long-term <laughs> planning and, you know, where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years, 20 years? Uh, and it, it's something I've, I've been trying to think about more. Uh, but I guess to answer the question today, right now, winning looks like not giving up. Mm. Uh, so I have, like I said, I mean, there's been so many points where I wanted to quit. Uh, there was a couple occasions early on where I could have possibly 
sold, I mean, we're talking very early on, sold JetBoost or basically joined a company full-time. Um, it's more like a aqua hire. And I entertained both those opportunities for a little while, but ultimately decided like, no, there's just like still much, there's still too much here to explore. And I think about that now and like there are, there are things now that are like very challenging. Like, it's, again, it's just like new different levels and, and different challenges. And there's sometimes where I'm like, I, you know, can I do this? Do I want to do this? And so far what I've seen is as long as I don't give up, as long as I don't quit, like <laughs> eventually can can figure it out, get past this current challenge and, and see what's next. And through that process, like that is where I've grown so much. Like I, that's where I've learned how to hire and, and start to manage people and, um, you know, and, and deal with, I don't know, there's lots of crazy stuff I never thought I'd deal with, like Ohio workers comp and, you know, these different like <laughs> government agencies and stuff. And it's like, it's, it's not the most fun stuff, but when you figure it out, it, it still feels good. Um, so yeah, I think just not giving up and, uh, I would love to still be running my own company, you know, 10, 20 years from now. So at least that that's how I feel today. Yeah. Stay in the game. Keep going. Yeah. Stay Just in the game. Don't yeah. die. <laughs> Pretty, much. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Well, is, is it, it is interesting too. I forget, um, who, who was talking about this, if it was Rob Walling or Tyler Tringas or, uh, someone else, but they were saying like VC back startups die when they're right on money, bootstrap startups die when the founder loses motivation. And that's totally like in line, I think with what you're talking about. It's just yeah. like, don't lose motivation, keep going. Don't you know, stay in the game. Yeah. I can't remember. I, I saw that too. And I can't remember who said it, but that, that was really good. Yeah. Whoever it was, they're really smart. Maybe we'll re- yeah. <laughs> remember it later. Link to it in the show notes, but one of those smart yeah. people said it. Yeah. Um, next question is from Matt Gale. And I think there's uh, one for each of us and then one for both of us. Uh, so I'll go first. This one's for me. He says, how the F do you balance working on SavvyCal and everything else you work on? <laughs> how much time do you spend working with SavvyCal? Does it fluctuate? Do you have uh, subcontractors you work with? Do you sleep? Um, great question, Matt. Um, I get this kind of often, which is kind of funny because I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem crazy to me, uh, but I'll just answer it very plainly. And, uh, and it's like, detailed as possible. Um, I split my time into, into chunks and commitments. And I think the key to me being able to actually do that effectively is avoiding a lot of the, the kind of craft of working, um, and a lot of the actually unproductive things that end up getting lumped in with what we call work. Uh, I had alluded to a little bit before how I was having like a, right, right when I left Metrics, didn't get much done spending a lot of time on like email, being responsive, being responsive to people, hopping on calls. Like today I, I batch all my meetings on Wednesdays. And even then sometimes it's just a a half day of meetings. So I don't spend nearly as much time as most people on, on meetings and talking to people and like talking about the work that we're all going to be doing. Um, and that's been very intentional too. I get a lot of meeting requests, which I turn into, uh, Twitter DMs, email threads, or zip message threads instead. But that just automatically unlocks another, you know, four days out of my week where 
I have sort of uninterrupted deep work time to spend on my own. I also really don't spend a lot of time on email hardly at all anymore. Um, I largely ignore everything. (laughs) Even when something does come through that's important, I procrastinate it and put it off for as long as I possibly can until I I feel some sort of obligation or I finally just decide to go and answer that person. But like sometimes I don't check my email for a week or like I don't read, you know, I don't like actually click into it unless it's important. It's like a, Hey, can you add my, my, that to my invoice or something like that where it's like, it has to be like kind of timely or it's customer support, support, quote unquote related. Um, but I, I probably spend less than two hours a week on email personally. Um, which I think also just unlocks a lot of time that a lot of people are used to going back and forth on threads and keep going, get into inbox zero and just like processing everything, which I do almost zero of. Uh, the other thing is, you know, with Savvy Cal, I, I spend between 10 to 15 hours a week. Sometimes, sometimes that fluctuates and I'll, you know, have a couple of days off and I'll spend, you know, six hours that week. Sometimes I spend a little bit more. Um, but like, I know the work that we're doing and it's very like, uh, systematic at this point. And so I can work really fast and make a lot of progress with, you know, new landing pages or if we're launching a new product, like we sort of have like the playbook or the process already in place for me to just go execute on and I can work very quickly. Similarly with, with swipe files, like if I'm, I kind of go through sprints of writing and then like working on something else. So, you know, there was a time where I was only writing newsletters for like two months earlier in the year. And then I like, I'll add a couple here and there, but like I largely don't spend a lot of time creating new content for swipe files, uh, unless it's like an office hour session or, uh, you know, a $500 MRR challenge person or a swipe files member has a question, um, or I'm you know, happening to be writing a blog post. Like swipe files does not take a lot of my time these days. Now, writing founding marketing takes a lot more time, but again, like I could spend a whole day doing that, make a, a lot of meaningful progress, and that's still only one day out of my week. Swipe well, again, a, a lot of sprints, but like what I'm doing, uh, we did the uh, copywritingpromise.com, and then we did um, marketing examples by Swipe Well. I was using our own product for six hours a day, just curating and collecting and you know, more recently we launched our landing page, uh, even things like that just take like a couple hours for me. Um, I'm not like sweating the details and I don't know, like over-engineering the task, just like knock it out and get it done. Um, I have like a running list of tasks and notion and then like daily, sometimes like today, usually towards the start of the week, I'll use my Ugmunk analog and just like write a manual list of like particular things that I want to make sure that I get done as soon as possible or by the end of the week. And then that'll be kind of like my task list of kind of like major things I need to work on. So I don't forget about them. Um, but like, I don't know if it's not rocket science, like just don't do like administrative stuff and then actually work on like be productive with your deep work time. And that's how I get it done. And I sleep a lot. I sleep eight to nine hours a night these days. Um, I work probably seven to eight hours a day. Like, uh, I'm not working all the time. That's for sure. Yeah. I think people ask you that a lot because you do like ship so much stuff 
you know, all these different things that you've worked on and, and put out there. Uh, one of the points I want to call out that you made that I think maybe you overlook because it's just natural to you is you don't over-engineer things. Hmm. So you're like very good at finding like an efficient way to, whether it's build a product using no-code tools or uh, to write a book, uh, you know, gathering research, gathering input from other people, putting it out in uh, different small chunks and, and getting feedback. Like you're, you're always doing things in like a very streamlined manner, which I think helps, uh, you know, just, just helps with how, how quickly you ship things. And I know for, for me, I know for other software developers, it's like so easy to engineer, uh, whatever it is like, Oh, I'm going to start a blog. Well, well now I need to go evaluate these like eight different mm. blog software platforms and, <laughs> Uh, no, nah, none of them really does exactly what I want. So I'm going to build like my own blog generator. And now I'm going to spend six months doing that before I've written a single blog right, article. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> it's just like, it, it's, it's always so tempting. So, yeah, yeah. no, it's very true. Yeah. I, I try to like have that kind of MVP lean startup mindset to pretty much any task that I do. And so, you know, right now, I think the last update that I gave, I was working on the swipe files, um, SAS marketing summit and the state of marketing survey. And like those things are pretty good examples of like, I could really over engineer and like plan it out, but like I've not spent that much time on it. I, I made a list of people I wanted to reach out to be speakers in like, in like 20 minutes. And then I just copy pasted the same DM for like 10 minutes. As soon as I got all the speakers, I created the page in Webflow and I put that together in like half an hour because I already have like some decent components to kind of repurpose. Um, and then that I like set up Hopin's session, which like was like what we're using for it and like customize the branding it took like 10 minutes. I'm not going to create like custom bra- graphics and try to make this whole like fancy, I don't know, like, uh, I could have used like a more robust tool possibly, but that just was like super simple and easy to use and get set up with. Same thing with the survey I used reform and, um, I just wrote out like, what are the questions that I have? Asked other people, hey, what do you want to know? Made like a first draft, got some feedback, asked some, you know, added some additional questions, removed some, and then like click publish. <laughs> I don't know, like it's, <laughs> that's like that's pretty much all there was to it. Again, I probably could have got a lot fancier with it, and I, I think I can get away with a lot of this because um, I'm doing it on my own. You know, largely doing it as like a creator and sort of like I get to call the shots and how detailed I want to be and how much time and energy and polish I want to put on things. And I'm, I think like probably the difference between me and some other people is that I, you know, there's the old saying that like, uh, you know, you spend the, if something takes two hours, you'll spend the first hour getting 90% of it done. And then the last hour with like the final 10%. And I largely just skip that last 10% and <laughs> just, you know, so it takes like half the time and like, sure, it's not going to look like perfect. There might be some little things here and there that I'll fix a little bit later, but i you know, as a whole, I largely skip that last 10% for everything. Yeah. That's actually very similar to Ben from MakerPad. Like that's one of the things I noticed about him, uh, especially in the earlier days of MakerPad, he would just constantly put out new updates, new content, new courses. And a lot of times like things wouldn't be perfect. Like he would break the production site, but he would fix it. Like, 
you know, he, he didn't have the fear of putting stuff out there that maybe wasn't, like you said, 100%. It was only 90% of the way there. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he's another person who, like, just ships stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And the perception, too, is like, oh, you're, you're like, doing so many things. You're, like, constantly chip, uh, shipping stuff. And, um, you know, maybe that's true. I, I kind of don't see it that way. Or maybe, like, don't give it as much uh, weight. Um because I think again, from the outside, maybe from just like my Twitter feed, it might look like that. Like there's always some sort of update or a new thing, but, um, I'm just always just trying to chip away at stuff. And when it's time to share something, you don't see all the like work that I've done in the past, thinking through it or outlining something, writing notes about it, just like literally it, it mulling around in my brain for months and months and months. And then by the time that I actually like work on it and, put those, you know, final details for me to, to share it. Then it feels like, Oh, he just like happened to put this together. It's like, no, I've been thinking about this or kind of like drafting what this would look like for a long time. Now I just happened to be, you know, actually putting it together and then skipping the last 10% to get it out the door this week. Yeah. So question for you from Matt. Chris, how and where did you find Noah? Any advice for how to find and screen for a person like him? Um, and then a second question, which I can remind you of, is can you take us through a breakdown of your day? Uh, doing this with, with such small kids seems overwhelmingly hard. So first question, how'd you find Noah? how do you find a person like him? Cool. Yeah, those are great questions. Uh, I'm assuming Matt's asking about Noah just because, you know, I mentioned a lot how came on to JetBoost originally to help with support. Uh, he's been very much like a jack of all trades as far as he, he's grown a lot from that uh, position and he, he's done a lot of design work for us. He's helped with some marketing pieces. Uh, he has helped with the, the product design. He's even built a few of the components that are now live in, in the product today. So he's, he shipped some code for us. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to give the best <laughs> advice here. Uh, how do you find a unicorn? Yeah. So I, I did. So I, I, I think I originally connected with Noah via Twitter. He, he was someone in the Webflow space. He was putting out a lot of cool Webflow demos. Um, but he was an early power user of JetBoost. I, I think it was actually one of the first five customers maybe. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And I do think that's somewhat repeatable. I, I've, I've seen a couple other companies do this, which which is basically like hiring your power user customers or, or hiring some of your, um, I mean, I, I see Webflow do this all the time. Like they hire a lot of their biggest advocates. Um, especially recently. Yeah, especially recently. They're, they're, they're scooping them all up. So I do think if, you know, if you're able to, I'm sure it depends on the industry your products in and whatnot, but if you are able to tap into your own customer base and hire from there, I think that can be a pretty effective strategy, especially even just for something like customer support, where now you have somebody who already knows the product, they already know how it works. They already, uh, you know, have so much context going into the position. I think that can be really helpful. As far as finding a person who, I mean, yeah, Noah has been so crucial for uh, the success of JetBoost so far. 
because he's been able to do so much, um, I I didn't necessarily intentionally screen for that. Um, although it's something I probably look for a little bit more now. And yeah, it's, it's got to be someone who's just like interested in working for a small company who wants to be able to to do different things, who's who's really curious and and interested in, in learning. Um, that's, yeah, that's really the way to, to find someone like that. Mm-hmm. I think one other thing to call out maybe is um, to, to look for people who like teaching things. Um, mm. One of the things that stood out to me always about Noah is uh, he has, you know, my flow mate and he's always mm-hmm. sharing like Wellflow tips on Twitter. And I think that that's kind of a good indicator for people like that who are sort of just like naturally really curious and interested. And it's not just like a job to them, but it's like a, a core part of what they're interested in day to day and what they're interested in improving at. And, uh, and they like being helpful. It's not just like a, a burden to them, right? But they're like have a, a natural inclination to just sort of share what they've learned and be able to know enough to teach someone else as well and kind of package it up, it up in a way that's, um, digestible to people. And, um, it can be like another way to try to screen for something like that. Yeah, that's a really good call. And then a question for both of us from Matt Gale as well. Has the podcast been growing? Does it matter to you? I just pulled up transistor to look at our stats. Um, I feel like the main stat from my experience to look at for, for podcasts is, um, the first 30 days downloads number because you really don't have like a great idea of subscribers just cause that isn't like an actual metric that podcast players provide. Um, and so transistor and like other hosts will make some like a, a best estimated guess at what that is. But that's also basically off of the first 30 days download, uh, anyways. Um, and so I can share a little bit, but I think when we first started out, we were getting on average around a hundred downloads in the first 30 days per episode. And these days it's around 300 in the first 30 days. So I guess we've kind of tripled ish. If you want to look at it that way, since first starting out, it's still a relatively small podcast, you know, (laughs) um, a bootstrapper, you know, ride along is like a very, very niche sub niche podcast category anyways. And then we're probably one of the smaller ones of the bootstrapper ride along podcasts. Um, so to me personally, I don't know, it's a little bit more intrinsic possibly of like a good forcing function for accountability at a good excuse for us. That was kind of, you know, what we were doing anyways, was just like hopping on a call to give updates on what we were working on and see how we can help each other. Um, but also kind of, I really always like the idea of like documenting stuff along the way and kind of just having like a record of, of history to a certain degree. And then of course there are some like ancillary benefits of, it being sort of like a pseudo marketing tool and helping people get to know us better and um, just kind of building a little bit more of like a loyal fanatical fan base of sorts. <laughs> if you want to think about it that way. Um, but yeah, we're, I mean, we're not trying to, I can speak for us that we're not trying to hit any sort of like number or that we're not like tracking the click through rates to certain links or things like that. You know, it's um, probably more intrinsic than anything. What do you think? Yeah. I, f- I feel like this style of podcast is 
I want to say impossible to grow. I mean, it's one of the most difficult right. <laughs> to grow because yeah. it's like podcasting is already long form and now we're making it extremely long form by, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like each episode is its own thing. Like you kind of have to be along for, for most of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, I gave up a long time ago on trying to like provide context. If I'm talking about something new or <laughs> it's just <laughs> If you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you haven't been here for a while, then like I, I can't even imagine what someone's experience must be like if they just listen to, you know, episode 73 or something and right. how, how you would even get started there. Um, but it has grown a little bit. So so some people have, have jumped on, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one of our more popular ones too was uh, the emergency pod. I'm sorry, I sold the company one. Um, getting to share fun stories like that is yeah. always interesting for people. And, you know, that'll cause kind of a stir on Twitter, people talking about it or asking about it. Um, I kind of like having an outlet to talk about those kinds of things and updates and celebrate the wins as well in a way that isn't just like a hand wavy tweet, but it's a little bit more of like a personal story and uh, something you can give more kind of context and detail to. Yeah. To me too, it's almost like an, another larger set of advisors or at least potential advisors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, you know, it's like, you've got your, your core team, maybe investors. And then, you know, if that's like your core circle, then outside of that, it's like other founders that you regularly keep up with or, you know, send a, a monthly update to that's kind of like the next circle out. And then this is just a, a larger circle that extends out further because I get feedback from people all the time, uh, which is awesome and, and super helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The advisors bit is definitely really key. Um, we have two more questions. I think we can wrap it there. I know we're over already over an hour, but, uh, <laughs> as usual, a little bit more long winded, but whatever, it's our podcast. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. People can drop out at any time. Uh, Tyler King asks, what's the main thing each of you would suggest the other change about their approach to their business, but you hold back to be polite. (laughs) So um, (laughs) what's the main thing each of you would suggest the other change about their approach to their business? I'm going to have to think about this one a little bit. Anything come to mind Mm -hmm. for you? Yeah, it's funny. I I saw him ask this on Twitter. Uh, I saw it come through and I was like, man, it's a really good question, and I really want to come up with something great to, <laughs> to, to, to uh, you know, not be polite and and tell you. And I, I don't know. I've I've, I've struggled to find something. So I, can share I, I will then. say. Oh, go ahead. Uh, okay. Then you want to go? Sure. Me being the marketing guy, uh, you probably expected this, but I'm just always you know more <laughs> marketing, which I know you're working on. Absolutely. And of course it's, it's very, very hard as a solo founder. And, um, and especially when there's like a, a queue and the roadmap and a vision you want to execute on, you know, you, it's a really hard balance to do those things concurrently and equally. Uh, but I think especially more recently, you've been trying to make that more of a focus and more of like a equal, you know, kind of part of your time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean like, more marketing, um, and a little bit more like aggressive 
tactics possibly um, mm. with like, I don't know. We've talked a little bit before about like uh, feature releases and um, launches and things like product hunt and kind of just like trying to make a splash out of even maybe in your eyes, insignificant things. You sort of just try to make it a bigger deal because that's how it actually gets reach and it gets people to kind of get bought into the idea and be excited about it. But, um, you know, for things like, uh, uh, updates and improvements, if there is a new booster or if there's some sort of new exciting thing, I actually think you're really good at like doing that on Twitter, but for things like email marketing and kind of like user education, bringing that to kind of like the mass of the JetBoost customer base. I mean, you've had some hesitations around like using email to do that or just like the best way to kind of keep people in the loop with that. And you can probably be more aggressive with like the, the product marketing side of things, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good call out. It's yeah. It's been an embarrassingly long amount of time since we've, we've sent out an email to the, to the customer base. Yeah. And I know that's also something you're working on. So again, you're on the right track. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 funny. I we we've shipped a couple updates recently, and you know that they're they're good and they're they're going to be helpful for sure. Uh, but I'm starting as I'm starting to spend more time on on marketing, and we're starting to put more stuff out there. Like the ROI is becoming more clear at this point, mm. where un- unless it's like a huge new addition to JetBoost like the amount of time I'm spending working on a, a new smaller update versus if I just spent that time on marketing and, you know, we, we put a blog post out recently. It's, it started getting some, some traffic and it's like, Oh, well, these numbers like clearly show if, okay, we increase these numbers to here, then our sign up numbers increase by this much. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and, the, and that funnel is so apparent. And, uh, so yeah, I can see, I can see my mind, uh, mindset shifting around that for sure. Yeah. In the early days yeah. too, it's hard because you don't see that as clearly. You're like, I feel like I'm just speaking into the void and shouting into the, into the ether, mm-hmm. but you do have a large customer base. You have a large following. You have lots of opportunities in front of you, a really good foundation to build on. And so like now you can capitalize on it for sure. You know, there's a lot more, uh, uh, you can see the lift more clearly in, in the numbers and in, in the analytics. Yeah. All right, I gotta, I gotta come up with something for you. Um, <laughs> you don't have to be polite. I'll, I'll, I'll take <laughs> off that constraint. <laughs> yeah, I, like the first thought that came to mind was, you've always done so many different things and had so many different projects going on. Uh, but I know that part of that has been just like f- figuring out what works. Is it, is it a podcast? Is it a, you know, community platform? Is it, uh, you know, all the courses or all these different things that you've done, but I don't like the sort of easy advice to give would be, Oh, you should, you know, focus on one thing and, and just go all in on that. But everything that you've done is related and all works together and builds on each other. Like, Mm. like the, the swipe well app 
you're able to use swipe files like the community and the email list and all of that to market the the app now uh, all of your courses you rolled into the the membership like the book is going to be the same thing i mean all of it relates to your twitter twitter following and your um you know the audience that you've built so i don't know i think i think that's working and i, th- I think that's going well so <laughs> <laughs> for for me to find something to criticize I, Maybe we need to have Tyler on it. Maybe there's maybe there's like something he's really yeah, wants right. me to say. Uh, he's like, oh, I wish I was on the mic with them right yeah. now so I could say it. He's got some <laughs> some strong words for me. We just got to get yeah. him the mic. <laughs> I I think that maybe something that you would think subconsciously, but that I that's been top of mind for me related to that vein is uh, is even though I have sort of like a juggling act going, and most things are related. I think even then within each kind of project doing less but better it's like not doing less overall like i'm not just gonna like cut swipe files or cut swipe well or cut savvy cal but like within each one of those making sure that i'm really focusing on the most important most impactful thing and kind of being ruthless about all the other stuff that just kind of gets added in because i'm definitely a guilty of like uh you know just do that too. And like add this little thing mm-hmm. on there to see if that maybe is like an, another interesting benefit. But then you just end up with this kind of Frankenstein of all these things you're committed to. So I've been trying to, I've been trying to, to be really careful about that with Swipewell in particular, kind of starting from scratch and not just adding on all these random marketing tactics, but really kind of spearfishing and being focused with each one of them. Uh, but like even for, for swipe files, like, I'm going to be reducing kind of the sponsorship benefits uh, for 2023 because like there was just some extra stuff that just created some headache and didn't really have like the incremental additional value that I think that I thought that it would Um, possibly removing things like office hours in the future. uh, um, You know, things like that where I'm just like, all right, what else can I get rid of or eliminate? That would just make things, a little bit easier, a little bit more streamlined, a little bit more simple within each of its lanes. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a self-criticism. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, adding on to what you said, pretty much. I know, when, it, when I saw that question, I was like, I can think of a lot more for myself than I can for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We're our own biggest critics. Yeah. <laughs> um, final question, Zach Stevens. Uh, shout out another indie hacker in San Diego. Where do developers and marketers differ significantly and how can they bridge the gap? It's an interesting one. Speaking as a, a developer and a marketer here on the podcast, um, mm. what comes to you? I, you might have more, more perspective having been a developer founder, you know, learning marketing. I don't, I don't have that perspective of being like a marketer developer or a marketer who happens to develop too. So I don't know what comes to mind for you. Hmm. I think we, I don't, I think we get excited about different things. Mm. It's it sort of, uh, putting developers and marketers into very like general buckets. Uh, I, I think that developers, I know myself, like we're excited about solving the problem about building, creating, um, I've seen it with some of the marketers that I work with. They, 
get very excited about telling people about that, about sharing it, about, oh, we, we pushed this cool thing. Like now we need to teach people how to use it. Uh, and for whatever reason, like that feels, that's like, like the exciting part to me is like getting it out the door. Okay. Now it's done. Now this feature's done. Like now let's move on to the next one. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like it's not done. We, <laughs> now we need to share it around. Now we need to talk about it, you know? And so, um, I've, I've seen, like, I've seen it with people where that is the fun part for them. I think that's and so when true. I'm ready to move on and it's, it's not time to move on yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's like core to even, you know, I've done like certain personality tests and, uh, and kind of strength tests, talent tests, whatever you want to call them. And one of the ones that's always been taught for me is, um, being like a, a connector. And so I get a lot of like satisfaction out of, um, introducing people around like helping people find like products or tools or services um, around seeing things like get used or finding something be like, Oh, I'm so glad that I, you know, read this thing or that I, you know, that, that, like I said, that is the satisfying part for me is like, look at all the people enjoying this thing that someone else built. <laughs> you know, it's not myself. Right. But like, mm -hmm. that is the more satisfying part to me. That's a real, yeah. That's a, I think it's very spot on. Yeah. Maybe any you know something else that comes to mind. Maybe a little bit more too is uh, again very stereotypically, developers are a little bit more um, like logical and cut and dry, and you sort of like formulaic in you know whatever I build like it's it's gonna work right. There's no like hmm let's see if this feature works. It either does or it doesn't. You know. Whereas marketing is a little bit more, you have to kind of bet on it and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And there's a huge kind of spectrum in between there of like this worked kind of well, or this didn't work, but it didn't entirely flop. And it's just like a, you know, it's a very different um, approach to what success looks like. I don't necessarily think that I really like that part of it either, but that's maybe more the reality of like, what it means to be a marketer or what it means to be a developer. And, um, I think that you can learn something about each one of them too, because maybe in product development, you can think about like, okay, what do you build and how successful is that thing that you're going to be, that you're going to build? You know, it'll probably, some, it might be like widely adopted or it might be like a really kind of niche use case that only a few people use or people might really love it or they might be kind of crickets about the response to it. Um, and trying to be more like, uh, take a bet on what you think is going to make the most impact for improving the product. Whereas for marketing, I think that we could use a lot more, um, logic and system to not just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, but really being, uh, you know, doing our due diligence in why something would work and building a case for it and doing our best to make sure that that thing that experiment, that marketing channel, that campaign gets as much as it needs to be successful instead of just like MVPing the heck out of it and shipping something that really has no chance of making like a huge impact mm -hmm. on the bottom line, you know, um, or just trying stuff randomly, you know, and be like, well, I guess it didn't work out. Oh, well, it's like, yeah, you probably could have figured that out if you realized 
X, Y, and Z. You know, it's like none of your users are on Facebook. Why are you marketing there? Or there's no way that this channel is going to be successful given, you know, how much you charge for your product. Um, of course, it's not going to be profitable for you to run Google ads, you know, things like that, which is like you could have figured that out beforehand, but we're maybe not as used to the kind of due diligence and systematic thinking that is required for a developer. Hmm. That's really good. All right. Well, anything else to add? Um, anything else that we didn't cover that you wanted to, or that we're, we're forgetting? I don't think so. Those are, those are all the questions I saw. All right. A lot of good ones. Yeah. Lots of good ones. Appreciate everyone chiming in and I love the listener feedback. I love making podcasting more of a two way conversation you know, from people, um, getting feedback, what they think. So if you're responding to one of your questions, let us know what you think. If you have a rebuttal or a follow up question or, um, just a, a general thumbs up, thumbs down on how we answered a question, let us know if you have your future questions, you can drop them in, in the show notes. Otherwise, we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming in uh, our next episode, and we'll see you then.